I'm Elena Salinas, and this is the Women in Tech Show, a show where women in tech talk about technology and career development. Today's guest is Sonali Sridhar, co-founder of the Recurse Center, a free three-month educational retreat for new and experienced programmers. Sonali talks about building a successful learning organization and how they maintain an inclusive and diverse environment. She also explained what people work on while they're at the Recurse Center and strategies to become a better programmer. If you have any feedback, you can write a review for the show on iTunes or send me a tweet at Tag Women Show. So Natalie, welcome to the Women in Tech Show. I'm glad you were able to come on the show this morning. Thank you. So the Recurse Center is a free three-month educational retreat for new and experienced programmers. And as one of the Recurse Center co-founders, what were some of the problems that were identified that led to founding the Recurse Center? So when we first started this Recurse Center about five and a half years ago, um, our initial idea was uh, to build uh, something like OkCupid for jobs. We were trying to um, place people as programmers and build tooling and build a startup around around job placements, which we had identified uh, as a really uh, difficult uh, market um, about five and a half years ago. And in doing so, we met a lot of very interesting people who didn't have uh, quite the right either educational experience or the resume uh, to get these startup jobs. And and when I say jobs, I'm talking about engineering. And I'm talking specifically about software engineering um, uh, uh, jobs in the market. And um, so one of the ideas that we came up with, one of my co-founders was like, oh, I wish I could just bring all these people together in a room and we all work together for about, you know, a certain amount of time that'll help them gain the knowledge uh, of the new tooling and the new um, um technology that's needed at startups basically and and that was a very very early uh, definition of how we all came together and so the first batch that we put brought together was um, ran for about five weeks and it was in the summer of 2011 when we started was this batch mostly people that had already been software engineers but were using technologies that weren't as common in startups or was there something uh, specific that characterized this group? This group of folks, I mean, uh, they were all in New York City. Uh, we met them because they were looking for jobs as software engineers. They didn't all come from a software engineering background. Um, a few of them, uh, a couple of them did have CS degrees. A couple of them had physics degrees. Um, and some, some folks came from, um, you know, uh, art history, architecture history background, but had been programming on the side at their current jobs, um, but wanted to join startups and didn't have all the production experience that need, was needed. Several weeks ago, I heard this interview at Software Engineering Daily with Nick, one of the co-founders also of the Recurse Center. And one of the things that he mentioned was that part of the mission is to remove obstacles that prevent from growing, from programmers growing. Absolutely. What are some examples of these obstacles that programmers have? So um, in building a good environment, um, so let me start again. Our focus is to build a really, really good um, environment for 
people to become better programmers. When building this good environment, one thing uh, that we were confronted with is um, is building an environment where fear fear is one of the biggest obstacles that people have to their learning or their learning uh, process. Um, and we worked we've worked really hard over the last um, bunch of years to. Um, take out or remove this fear uh, in people's learning process. So we've um, we've added this idea called the social rules. Um, the social rules are these lightweight rules that allow uh, for people to call each other out uh, very quickly. Um, so uh, when someone's feeling uncomfortable, um, they're able to uh, they're able to address it in a very quick, uh, productive manner. Um, I can go into really I can go into what the, each of the social rules are. We have four of them, um, and uh, so this, the first one started with no well actuallys. Um, well actually is um, something that we were doing as three of us uh, founders were doing to each other when we started the company. Uh, the idea was um, you quickly interrupt someone and say, you know, well, actually, Sonali, you, you meant to say that India's population was 1.2 billion and not 1 billion. And, um, and what it does is it uh, shows that the other person is cleverer than you are, and it points out the mistake you've made, um, making you feel extremely uncomfortable to ask the next question. Um, and it, what it does is also adds a lot of interruption uh, in your um, and your answering process and and cuts the conversation uh, short. Um, so we found ourselves doing it to each other, and it was a very disruptive. Uh, it was very dif- disruptive to our conversations and and in making a better company. So when we first start- when we started the first batch, the no well actually rule was something that was right off the uh, right out of the gate. We were really interested in introducing into the environment, so we could call each other. Hey, by the way, that was a well actually, and you move on from that. It's important that these are very lightweight, um, and giving them names was uh, also a large part of keeping them lightweight. So I could say, oh, that was a well actually, and someone's like, oh yeah, shoot, sorry, and move on the conversation. The next three social rules came into place when we um, uh, w- when we observed it happening in the environment among programmers, and uh, we wanted to introduce them quickly because we again observed that they were disrupting um, um, the learning process. So the next one we came up with was no feigning surprise, and um, it would go something like. Um, uh, you know, what do you mean you don't know who Gerald Sussman is? Um, and you're expressing so much surprise that the person who didn't know who Jerry Sussman is uh, could very easily be like, oh gosh, maybe I should go read up this Wikipedia article, or maybe I'm really a bad programmer because I don't know who this big yeah. programming figure maybe is. Maybe I don't belong here or something. Maybe I don't belong here, exactly. And uh, so we, um, we very quickly say, hey, by the way, that was feigning surprise. Just answer the question and teach this person really quickly, you know, in simple language who this person is um and that that also like it became very successful um and people the interesting part about these things is that it catches the person when you're doing it yourself so you're you're feigning surprise and they're like oh gosh that was feigning surprise i'm really sorry you know and um and then the third one was no backseat driving this is interesting because um um in large office spaces that are open, um, you know, open plan, um, something like it's very easy to overhear conversations that are happening near you. And then you decide that you're an expert at this and you start lobbying suggestions across the tables. Um, and, you know, a person might decide that, oh, they could look up uh, on Wikipedia or on, on the internet somewhere exactly how to 
write this particular JavaScript library. But um, they, for their own learning process, they've decided that two of them are going to sit down and work through it from scratch. And so you're lobbing comments saying, hey, by the way, don't waste your time doing that. Go use this, li this particular library um, isn't helping them in their learning process. So we uh, invite people to actively engage, like seek them out at lunchtime or something and say, hey, I couldn't help but overhear that you were working on this. I happen to know a lot about this. Um, I'd be happy to sit down with you all and walk through the implementation. Similarly, um, stepping into the conversation and actively engaging and saying, hey, I heard, I, I hear you all are working on this. Um, do you mind if I join the conversation uh, versus just lobbing comments and what we, ca we call that backseat driving. Um, and um, and then the last social rule that we have right now is um, no subtle isms, and the word subtle is actually very very important in this in the social rule. Um, the idea is that we definitely don't uh, blatantly invite. Um, racist, sexist, or homophobic folks into RC. Um, but the subtlety of, of, of uh, sexism or racism um, lie in questions like, oh, where are you really from? Or, um, you know, um, I'm, I'm trying to think of a couple of other good examples um, uh, across the board is like, oh, uh, you know, what do you go by? What is your, you know, your new name? Or trying to probe a little bit uh, around um, around uh, gender, race, um, or sex. And uh, and you don't realize you're doing this because, you know, everyone's brought up in, in environments where they're hardened to these uh, to, to some of these comments and um, we try to actually address them and so that means e for each person it's a learning a learning experience when they when people like you know uh, express these types of isms um, and that has been uh, a really a really again very helpful environment given given our gender diversity given our um, ethnic diversity given our um, our um, uh, sexual orientation diversity at RC. Yeah, and we'll talk a little bit more about diversity later on. Sure. So as you mentioned, with these lightweight social rules, they help tackle the, the fear that can be present in a programmer in order to mm -hmm. remove that obstacle. So also one of the things that I found really interesting was that the Recurse Center doesn't have a curriculum, but the focus is becoming a better programmer during your time in the Recur Center, what are some of the paths that you have seen of becoming a better, better programmer? What do those look like? Um, so the Recur Center is definitely, definitely um, not a boot camp, right? We don't believe in curriculum grades or classes. Um, our model of education um, isn't one where we force feed folks uh, about, you know, this is how you learn how to program. Uh, the way we we uh, approach education, and uh, actually my co-founder um, was unschooled, and I had got, I, my schooling is an art school. It's very studio-based learning. It's very much uh, an active learning. You make a project to learn about a concept um, kind of learning. And um, you define what you uh, are lacking, or not lacking as much as you want to explore or you want to uh, get better at and and you build your own uh, focus and you build your own um, um, goals when you come here um, so when when it comes to um, when it comes to you know um, having a path or something uh, yeah yeah exactly building building your path to learning um, 
this unschooling model has really, um, uh, really uh, been the focus, or self-direction has been a really high focus of the way uh, people work at RC. Uh, people have come here and um, written their own programming language, for example. So we've had some very, very advanced folks come in. Uh, this woman, Mary Rose Cook, she was uh, she came through RC, and uh, during her time here, she uh, wrote her own programming language called Isla, uh, which her first implementation of which was in Clojure and ClojureScript, and then she moved it to JavaScript. She also wrote an a thousand-line implementation of um, a project that she called Gitlet, which is uh, an implementation of Git in JavaScript. Uh, these are these are ambitious projects. These are four five month long projects that she sat down, decided that she wanted to really um, unpackage how Git is written and rewrite the whole thing using another language, for example. Or she wanted to uh, build a compiler, build an interpreter, and and started by writing an entire programming language. Building these types of paths come from um, self direction, right? And 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 this is a high end. I mean, we we have a variety of folks who come through. So we have uh, very, very advanced folks who come through, and then we also have very new programmers who come through. So another example of a, an example of a new programmer um, um, this woman, Alison Captor, came through and she was moving out of finance into programming. And um, finance is a very procedural thinking occupation. Um, but then she had never been a programmer before. And she started programming about two months before she wrote her application uh, to RC. Um, and and uh, her entire goal during her time at the Ricker Center was to really uh, dig into the innards of Python, right? Like really go in and say, okay, what does main mean? What does import do? What what happens if I break it? You know, and not be scared about breaking it. You breaking your computer, you just rebuild the whole thing. Uh, it's a man-made device, right? So uh, getting getting into like that fearless. Oh, some some really big famous programmer like Guido wrote Python. Should I be scared that I break this? No, don't be scared. Like break it and see what happens, and then you really understand the insides of how Python has been built from scratch. Understanding an interpreter, understanding a compiler understanding, um, you know, going down to C, going down to how this stuff sits in the memory um, and 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 working with it. So building goals like this and building paths like, uh, like that help you achieve your goal, which is in, in Allison's case was understanding Python and learning Python from scratch. In, in Mary's case was like, oh, I already work with all of this stuff. I've been doing it for 10 years. I am going to come and build my own thing from scratch. Um, our our two extremely different parts uh, or examples of parts I'm using, um, but people come to RC to do this. And w what did it take to build and maintain a successful learning organization like this? Um, so we're still building it, <laughs> uh, and we're excited about that. Um, what did it take to build and maintain this organization? It, um, uh, it fundamentally, we're based on um, on curiosity. Uh, we really care about the philosophy of independent learning and the philosophy of um, of of unschooling. In terms of, we're not going to, f um, you know force you to learn anything. No, the idea of active learning versus passive learning uh, keeps us very excited about uh, keeping RC alive. Um, I grew up in India and, um, you know, my entire 
schooling up to high school was very force fed. Um, I had to learn things for my exams and I had to learn, you know, organic chemistry for uh, to pass my A levels and O levels, etc. Um, and then when I came to art school after that, um, it was it was a rebel movement in my in my mind, not very many South Asians go into, you know, the fine arts. And it was purely because there was this, this beautiful ability to uh, tap into your creative side. And I think what we want to do at RC is provide this ability uh, for people to um, expand on their creativity, expand, uh, you know, so much of the world is other people telling you what to do, whether it's your boss, whether it's your research scientist, whether it's your, you know, uh, family, it's, it's, you're, you're, you're being told what to do and how to live in society. And these three months, we invite people to really unpack what they want to do with their life, unpack what they're interested in and unpack, um, you know, creative ideas, like letting those creative ideas flow out of them. That's awesome. Building the environment that leads to more open learning, basically. Absolutely. Yeah. And as you mentioned earlier, you studied art school, specifically interaction design at NYU. And one, one of your focus is to design experiences. So I was just curious about some experiences that you've designed for the Recur Center. Is there um, something in particular or is it at the Recur Center as a whole? It's it's definitely Recur Center as a whole, mm -hmm. right? I mean, the concept. Um, yeah, when I when I went to college, I I didn't quite uh, go to college to design educational environments. I mean, I was I was busy playing with uh, Arduinos and and working on you know um, uh, wearable technology and like fun things that involved technology on your body and and understanding that. When building the Recurse Center, I. Uh, if you would talk about designed environments, it's very, very, very um, intentionally designed this way. My two co-founders uh, went did uh, did CS. Uh, they were at Columbia. I was at NYU. Uh, we all met in in New York, and um, when the three of us came together, I think uh, we put our heads together and came up with an idea around uh, why our in our particular environments. Um, were different and and how we could continue and how how we could build an environment that actually cre encourage this kind of technology. In fact, um, when a lot of my grad school friends visit um, RC, uh, they they they're they're reminded of of my program at NYU. They're like, wow, this looks a lot like ITP. Um, but without all the overhead of, of, of fees and, and, uh, curriculum and grades. And, um, and so designing this environment, um, it, it's a little more ephemeral in my mind. It's not like, oh, here's a website that you designed, right? It's a little more like, oh, how can we continuously change? How can we provide, uh, what we call, um, the, the, this strong outer wall? Uh, but a very, very loose and very, very uh, creative internal space. So we're very, very strict about who can physically enter the space. We don't allow plus ones. We don't allow friends to come and hang out. Um, the space is only for the people who are coming to RC. And everybody respects those rules because, um, you know, everyone has 24-7 access to the space. So suddenly at midnight, if a woman is sitting there and working, um, uh, she or they should not feel uncomfortable that a whole bunch of other folks have come with their friends who are, um, you know, and, and, and are making a noise in the space. Uh, so we're very, very particular that the actual physical space is honored and the rules of the space are honored. Um, 
And that said, it sounds very strict, but at the same time inside, it's, it's an absolute place of trust, right? We trust people to be adults. We trust people to, um, to, to, the, entire, to, to the entire space. Uh, we trust that they treat each other very well. Uh, we trust that they don't hurt each other. Uh, there is this idea of the social rules, the idea of, um, of, of creative thinking, the idea of self-direction, the idea of curiosity, and, and then actually physically all manifesting in one is definitely something that um, I have enjoyed being part of as far as an interaction design experience goes. So let's talk a little more about diversity. You mentioned earlier the role of the lightweight, lightweight social rules. Uh -huh. um, and as part of the admission pro process, when I was looking it up, there's a round for in-person interviews. Right. So I'm just curious, do you test for unconscious bias during these interviews or? Um, yes, I mean, um, I wouldn't say test is, mm -hmm. is, is the right framing. Yeah. So I'll, um, I'll give you a quick overview of our admissions process. Yeah. So we have an application. Uh, the first thing is a very short application. Um, the application consists of a, a very small programming problem like a FizzBuzz, um, followed by um, uh, we ask them to submit a piece of their own code written from scratch, followed by two or three essay type questions uh, asking about you know what people are interested in doing, where you know uh, what they were fascinated by, and, and what they want to do next, um, and then uh, we uh, we follow that up with two. Uh, rounds of Skype interviews. Uh, the first round of Skype interviews involves understanding the person's uh, curiosity, understanding their self-direction, understanding um, um, their 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 goals to come to RC. And then the second round is pair programming with the person. Now, during the first round, or during both rounds, our interviewers are definitely um, set up to look for signals um, of, um, of biases, et cetera. Um, but even before that, our application process, we, uh, actually Mary, uh, used to work for us, Mary Rose Cook, who I mentioned earlier. Uh, she wrote a quick script where it scrapes out everybody's names, first name and last name, and replaces it with just random nouns. So we have a blind interview process, a blind application process to start with. And then after that, we also have in place, uh, questions around unconscious bias. Uh, but, uh, you know, it goes person by person. We have a completely separate alumni um, interview panel uh, that takes that take care of interviews for us. The team doesn't do the interviewing, um, and we are pretty conscious about it. Yes, because one of the things I heard, for example, I'm not going to mention what company, but there was a candidate uh, man, and he was interviewed by four other men, and they were all like, "He's awesome, very technical." Uh, like personality, everything clicked. And the last interview was with a, a woman. And she noticed that whatever she said would just be dismissed or something mm -hmm, like that. Mm -hmm. And I've also definitely heard recommendations of having women in the in the loop of interviewees. Yep. Or no, interviewers. Well, the person that interviews yep. should also be a yeah. woman. <laughs> um, I don't know. So I just thought it, it was interesting how their core center approaches something like this, but it sounds like everybody's given a, a training to look for certain signs. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, when when Mary wrote that script, I, I think her first thought that went through was, 
when she saw somebody's name when looking at their application to do our admissions process she was like oh that sounds like a hardy german name and she said oh gosh why did i just say that just based on the person's name and um and immediately wrote that script and was in in two weeks time deployed it and our entire admissions process went blind after that um so that was an example of us us catching ourselves uh during that time you know uh, or during the admissions process time but but you're absolutely right we're very very conscious of um of um we, we, the, the the interviewing team has been trained very heavily uh to do this and it, you know they they basically run close to 100 interviews a month um and and they're very very close to um uh being aware of unconscious bias being aware of things like um you know arrogance so on and so forth that and an overconfidence etc that they look for in people uh but more than looking for negative markings i think we look for a lot of the positive markings we look for uh for this notion of curiosity are they really really genuinely um is there the spark of interest in being a programmer is there the spark of inspiration um i think i think we we skew a lot more positive in our way of of letting people in so we've had people you know from 16 years old to you know uh mid 50s come through rc um which adds a lot to the diversity we've had people who would drop out of high school and drop out of first year community college in georgia as well as folks who are from mit and um and stanford come through rc um you know so those types of like biases are very critical for us we like we don't want every single person coming through rc from mit you know uh and it's not that we go against that but we're looking for that real curiosity of um you haven't been given a chance this hasn't been an opening for you and you're coming from a tiny suburban township uh, in idaho uh, you know welcome <laughs> so uh so that's that's something that's that's really important for us yeah one of the testimonials that i read from the website is this student that put school on hold i think it was a semester or something to go to the recur center and he said i was surprised you know by the diversity he said school has diversity students from all over the world but he said they tend to remain in their own groups mm-hmm, so he was mm-hmm. like the recur center really helped me value the the interaction between people from different backgrounds which i thought was pretty cool yeah no i think i think we uh we th- that's something that is very very uh, intentionally designed um and and i think it comes again from the idea of unschooling i think uh we as to the three of us are extremely conscious of not being um branded you know like we're not we don't uh we think intelligence surpasses or uh, or curiosity surpasses things like uh the opportunity to have gone to NYU for example just to use my own my own example yeah so once somebody has met, been admitted which are the recursors recursors um uh, they can do several things and one of them is pair programming in pair programming or interacting with others so i i was just curious because a lot of the people seem to have projects in mind or they come up with their project and they want to focus so how do the interactions with others happen is it a small batch that everybody knows what they're working on so if if i'm working on python and i know katie is working on python i talk to her or is there a internal system to find somebody working on something similar or 
So the batch sizes roughly are, are approximately about 60 people in the space at a time. Oh, okay. Uh, we, we have, the, they're like overlapping batches about of about 30 each. Um, it's almost like first years and second years of grad school where in six weeks we have 30 people join and 30 people leave. So there's an overlap of six weeks between every 30 people, basically. I know that sounds a little complex, but there's an intentional idea behind this overlapping batches mode where people take projects and pass it on to the next group um, or people take social ideas and pass it on to the next group um, which has been really fantastic for us with regards to pair programming uh, so most people come with a focus they come with some ideas they start programming their project and then you know we have this thing called a check-in every day and in the morning at 10 30 you say hey um, you know this is what I'm working on this is what this is how far I've gotten and I'm kind of stuck in this concept um, does anyone else here know how to you know, have 15 minutes or half an hour or an hour today to pair on, on my problem, right? And, um, and so pair programming is initiated uh, through people getting stuck sometimes. Um, and then after that, lots of people come with project ideas and they're like, you know, I'm feeling a little lonely just working on my own project. I'm just going to start working with someone else on their project. And, and since the idea and the goal is just to learn and to improve, uh, there's no like, oh, I have to finish my project for my assignment, for my grade, right? So, okay. so it's just like, oh, you know, I'm done working with my project. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of tired with it. I'm going to hop on to someone else's really cool um, synthesizer project, you know, like someone to two people in the recent batch uh, wrote, uh, wrote a complete like audio synthesizer software piece and it was two of them and it took a little while and they and they really cracked it and it was fantastic um, so um, the two of them had never met before they had never said that this is what they were interested in working on it just organically happened they're like oh you know let's work together on this on this audio synthesizer project I'm an audio engineer in my background I'm, I belong to a band and this is something that I, I would love to like learn and in the process I learn a lot about JavaScript while doing that you know uh, so, so it's a lot more organic than we than we think there have been a few alumni who've come back through for their second batch where their entire goal has been to pair program. So they spend the entire three months um, just every week after week after week pairing with other people on their projects. This, uh, for advanced developers as well, uh, a lot of folks have said that this helps them learn and pick up good uh, management skills, you know, uh, being able to listen to the other person, being able to share your keyboard correctly, being able to not over talk each other, uh, being able to go step by step so both parties are completely in sync with the project. Uh, it, it just teaches you a lot of patience and a lot of uh, social interaction and organizational skills. Um, so there are folks who've come through literally with their goal to be at Ricker Center to pair with other people because they've been working alone for so many years or something like that, you know? That's great. Also, because of the management that you mentioned, like if I want to be a manager, I'll, I'll pair program with somebody that's been in the industry for a long time and also somebody new because that's what teams look like at companies. People mm -hmm, right exactly. out of college versus people that have been coding for 20 years. So you can get an insight. Yeah, I don't know. That, that's a pretty cool application. Right, right. And a lot of programming, is, it's so, uh, you have so many personal um, 
uh, philosophies of how to approach a program, right? You have your own aesthetic. Uh, so also um, deciding and, 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 and consulting with each other and, and uh, coming to a consensus on what aesthetic you want to you know, follow and, and why, um, I think it helps a lot with pairing. So one of your biggest inspirations is the Bauhaus, which is a art school. It used to be an art school in Germany. And I was reading more about it in the Recur Center. And one of the things that I noticed is that it's similar is having specialized workshops like seminars. And you have this thing where accomplished people come for two weeks. Can you talk a little bit about this? Absolutely. Um, so at RC, we have this concept called uh, residencies. So we have the regular folks coming through for a batch, but we also um, decided that for the you know for everybody, but also for the very advanced folks, um, to pull them up even further uh, or to inspire them, we started an, uh, a residency program where we invited people to come and spend anywhere between one to two weeks um, in New York with us. Uh, normally, residents, uh, the residents we've had come through. It's an invitation only um, program. Um, and we've invited a lot of folks uh, who have been really, really accomplished in their field of computer science. Um, we've had people who've written languages. So, you know, people who've written languages like Julia and Elm and Rust and, you know, Alexa, um, fairly fringe languages. A lot of folks who are doing research around programming language design uh, from various universities. Um, and this has helped. And every every researcher, every resident comes into RC, um, gives a talk about the work they're doing, whether it's in security, whether it's in program language design, whether it's in compiler design. Um, and um, And then they spend time pairing with folks for the entire time that they're here and people just ask them questions sometimes if they if they come from a much more um academic uh, background and they're used to teaching classes some of them hold workshops and seminars um to uh to talk about a certain part of their uh, about their op certain part of the work they're working on. Um, sometimes uh, folks have said, no, you know what, I'm not going to do a seminar style thing. I am going to do a talk and then I'm just going to pair with people. Um, there was this woman, Jean Yang, who came uh, who came during her PhD at MIT and um, she decided to use RC. So she gave a talk and she she talked a lot about, uh, you know, her, her, um, her work was in security. She talked a lot about that and then she also um, sat down and paired with uh, a very very uh, young uh, RCR who was here from from Sao Paulo, Brazil, and the two of them hacked on on a project of hers in Haskell, and she didn't know much Haskell. So he's like, okay, yeah, great, I pair with you on Haskell, and the, in one week they hammered through a very large part of her project. Um, so um, so in 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 say for Jean's residency. Yeah, she had really good conversations with folks and she, you know, chatted with others. But then her real takeaway was pairing with this one person and, and she moved on, you know. So, um, that alone, so, so each of these residencies manifest in different ways. Some, some residents, you know, do a broad touch across a lot of people across, you know, um, uh, a lot of interests and some folks do a much more narrow. I'm going to hang out with these five people and, and, and inspire them to write a module for my language or something. You know, or write a library for my language. So I guess in that sense is how this can be a Bauhaus for programmers, like actual products, yeah. you know, like you mentioned, Jin Yang. Right. Yeah, that's that's pretty awesome. 
Yeah, and, and the bar house for programmers thing is, it's very much, I have to admit, it's very much my take on it. Uh, both my co-founders were like, what is this? And I was like, ah, no, this is this design movement that's really, really big and highly influential in, in what we call modern design today. Um, and most importantly about the Bauhaus is it's people from different backgrounds. So architects would come in, musicians would come in, um, you know, designers, artists, uh, writers. Uh, and there was this style that got formed or a movement that got formed with people under the same roof, um, you know, following this idea of, of modernist, uh, modernist design. So I think, I think that aspect and inspiring each other and influencing each other in, in their, in their aesthetic, uh, was something that is something that the Bauhaus is um, very famous for, was something that the Bauhaus was very famous for. Yes, definitely. And I, I bet they, they're using some of the products that were iterations from a Bauhaus design or something. Your co-founders, I don't know. <laughs> they're using them. So last question. Like you mentioned, the the Recur Center has batches and or, or it could be that some people cannot fly to New York or they have some limitations. So I was just curious, what are some, some of your personal tips on becoming a better programmer based on what you've seen at RC? That's an interesting question. Um, I, think, I think the biggest thing is focus. I think uh, building, uh, again, we're, we're living in a place, uh, you know, in a world right now that's full of distractions. Um, and being able to sit down and focus on something uh, is critical. There's tons of resources online. Um, being able to ask the right questions, uh, being able to then also engage in a community that's um, nice and willing to answer your questions, um, that's not going to shoot you down. Um, so being able to have the confidence to ask questions and say that you don't know something. So being honest with yourself and not uh, kidding yourself that, oh, you know, I, I, yeah, I, of course I understand that concept. And actually that you don't understand the concept. Uh, so being honest with yourself and being able to focus, um, and then being able to be genuinely curious. Uh, so again, this comes down to humility and, and wanting to improve. Uh, so I know I'm like making very broad stroke personality, um, uh, suggestions, uh, but, I think these things need to be tackled first before, um, you know, uh, opening up a textbook, same. Or you tackle them while you're opening up that textbook. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's what you've been seeing at RC, so it, it makes sense. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's fundamentally um, how we tweak the environment to allow for these things to happen. We, we tweak the environment so that people gain confidence, so that people are confident enough to say that they don't know something. So uh, for people to be able to like sit down quietly and focused in a, in a room with, with their headphones on uh, and that not be considered a social faux pas, that they're not going out and not going to a play, you know, uh, it's, it's absolutely fine uh, to come all the way to New York City from the other end of the world and not do the New York things, you know, it's okay to like sit down and just hammer on some code for a while. Because it's the same thing that we talked about. We have a list for everything that we're supposed to live. So mm, yeah, don't right, go right, by the right. list. Okay, well. Right, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Sonali, it was a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you for coming. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.